This is Nobody Told Me. The Parenting Podcast with Lauren and Serena. With SuperValue Home Delivery. Get your lunchbox fillers sorted with SuperValue Online Shopping. Hello, you're very welcome back to another episode of Nobody Told Me, the podcast. This season is brought to you with SuperValue Home Delivery. Get your lunchbox fillers sorted with SuperValue Online Shopping. Hello, Serena. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm good. How's, I'm good. How's the week been? Good. I suppose we have to do a big shout out to everyone who supported us and sent us good, like, well done and supportive messages ahead of the Radio Awards. So we told you we were nominated for an IMRO for Podcast of the Year. We placed in bronze, which we're pretty stoked about. We're thrilled because there was so, like, we were thrilled. Now I sound like one of these Oscar hopefuls, but we were so thrilled literally just to be nominated because yeah. there's so many great podcasts out there right now. We were thrilled to be shortlisted, thrilled to place. So thank you. And thrilled, as you said, for all your support because... Um, we got since, lovely messages. Yeah, and since we've been back, everybody's been saying we're thrilled you're back and people have been going. So if you are new to this podcast, welcome and thank you for coming along and thank you for going back because a lot of people have gone, like what you did there, going back, I'm yeah. blowing, uh, uh, tuning my own horn, whatever it is. But it's but it's true when people yeah. have been saying that. As Serena said, if you are new, I mean, we're two broadcasters, we're both mums and we just wanted to talk openly and honestly about the things that nobody told us yeah. about, you know, being pregnant, having babies, parenting children. Parenthood full stop. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So welcome along if you're new. Please go back and listen to, to season one. We've had so much fun doing it and we've lots more lined up for you over the coming weeks. We do. And do you know what? I'm so glad that um, you mentioned the Radio Awards because I wanted to mention my week that was with okay. the kids. and. Um, I was nominated for another um, category as well, and I was so disappointed when I didn't place. And because the like because of the the state of the nation at the moment, the pandemic and stuff, the radio awards were hosted virtually, so we called each other during our category yeah. and were able to see each other. And I was raging that we weren't able to be together. I totally understood why, though, but it was disappointing. But it was really nice to be able to watch it with my family. So my kids got dressed up, my husband got dressed up. And at the end of it all, my nine-year-old was mucking around with tape and paper and I actually turned around to her and said, what are you doing? Stop. You're wasting all the tape. And she's like, oh, no, no, mum, it's okay. It's okay. You'll see. You'll see. And at the end of it, she came up to me and she gave me a trophy and she went, mama, I know you're upset, but I think you're excellent. This is after she told me she wanted other people to win ahead of me. <laughs> She's obsessed with Graham and Nathan, so she was thrilled that they were winning. But then she went, Mum, you're, you're always a winner. I think you're brilliant. And Stop. Yeah, and it just got me thinking, like, you know, at times we're so frustrated by our kids, but God, sometimes we don't deserve them. They've just got the purest of hearts, don't so they? So pure. That's gorgeous. And they just know what to do. Like, that really lifted my spirits. I'm still bummed out I didn't place. But, you know, of course. it really lifted my spirits. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Really, really lovely. And then I've been thinking about them a lot this weekend as well because it's just, I, I don't know, we were talking before we came on air that we've, we've just all been feeling a bit blah. And this weekend, I think because it was raining and it was just so horrible out, I've gotten to the point where I'm just, I'm tired of saying no to the kids. And I, I don't mean, you know, no, you can't have that sweet or whatever, but just no to the big stuff. Like our kids during this pandemic have gone through a lot and I think we've all ignored it. So, you know, anyone who knows me knows I hate Halloween and I do everything in my power. Really? Oh my God. I, I just, I'm spooked. I'm freaked out by it. Right. Okay. So I do everything in my power not to decorate the house, not to get dressed up. The kids can dress up, can get dressed up and stuff. But this weekend they turned around and they went, 
Mum, can we decorate the house? I just couldn't say no to them anymore. I couldn't oh. handle the disappointment anymore. And I went, you know what? Do whatever you want. Just don't make it too spooky. So <laughs> there's still some glitter and sparkle in the house. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm tired. I know your little one is almost going on to 18 months, 20 months. He's 20 months, yeah. And I know the disappointment is different. But do you feel like that, that you've had to say no to? He may not understand it, but there's um, still stuff that he can't do. Yeah, I felt um, before he went back to crash. In, we got him back into crash in the end of June because we qualified as essential workers, which was great. He was getting to the age where he was getting really clingy and like obviously he hadn't been to playgrounds and he hadn't been to play centres or anything. So I had felt like he'd really missed out on interacting. Thankfully, he's back in crash. Long may it stay open. And he's really buzzing off that. So that's good. So at weekends, I don't feel too guilty. Like yesterday, we had just such a duvet day. Watched telly. We got out for like a quick walk. You need that though. In between rain showers. Uh, yeah, I don't feel the pressure. I think with toddlers, I mean, they're just happy with like a cardboard box. Yeah. You know, so we're lucky in that sense that, you know, he doesn't understand what's going on. I feel for people with older kids, like you're a lot, like it's, it must be so much tougher. Yeah, because you know, it's not, um, it's not the stuff. It's the, the, the things. And it's not the stuff, but it's the things. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the, you know, now this is going to sound very extravagant, but we hadn't been home for three and a half years. So earlier this year, I had to tell my kids, you're not going to see your grandparents nor your family in Australia. Like, in December, we'd built everything up. This 2020, like, like, and I'm not saying, you know, we're the only ones because this is everybody else. But like at the end of 2019, we're like, 2020 is going to be our year. We were going to go to San Diego because her godfather was getting married and she was going to be the um, the flower girl. Then we were going to, I know it sounds extravagant, but then we were going to Australia for my dad's 17th. We haven't been home for three and a half years. Then we had to give them the disappointment of that. Then there was a disappointment of not having her birthday. Then it was a disappointment of crate closing. And I know this is kids everywhere, but this week it really hit me. I was just like, I can't say no to you again. No, we've decided we're not going trick-or-treating, but we don't usually, we usually try and be away for Halloween. But I just went, do you know what? You want to decorate the house? Decorate the Go house. Go for your life. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, she was she was playing the guitar. She was playing Jingle Bells. And I said, well, why are you playing Jingle Bells so early? She's like, Granny wants to hear me play Jingle Bells on um, Christmas Day. But you know what? You can tape it for my cousins because I know we're not going to be together on Christmas Day. And that now, we don't know that. But it broke my heart that that's what they're thinking. She already thinks, My yeah. four-year-old is going to ask Santa if um, he can bring, if he can get rid of the coronavirus. That's all he wants for Christmas because then he wants to be able to go Stop see. Stop it. Yeah, so I think this weekend, like, I was okay and then I was just at a breaking point where I just went, I, I just can't, I can't disappoint you anymore and I know it's not my fault and I know we're building resilience and stuff but it's when you hear stuff like oh, that yeah. that you go, geez, they're thinking about this more than oh, they are. Think. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure that's something so many people can relate to. Um, we've got such a great episode lined up for you today and it was inspired by a girl I spoke to during the week. Um, uh, I met a, a girl, I don't know her that well, but she's just had a baby and we were chatting away and it was, she doesn't know about the podcast. She doesn't know that that I do this. And oh, that she's about to become the, the subject of yes. our next podcast. Um, so surprise, you're the inspo because uh, <laughs> she knows about it now. I told her about it. But she was talking about, the you know, having her baby and, I, you know, I was over like saying, you know, hello to the baby and, and chatting away, asking her how she was doing. And she said, oh my God, I just didn't know about the aftermath and I didn't realise. And she actually said the words, nobody told me what it would be like after I have a baby. And I thought, 
that is what we need to talk about on the podcast this week. So she was saying, you know, no one, she left the hospital and she went home and, you know, the big maternity pads that everyone tells you you need. She was like, I thought I was having a period. I didn't know I would bleed this heavily after um, having a baby. And I've had a vaginal delivery. You've had two vaginal deliveries. But even after cesarean, yeah, you, you bleed. Yeah. You, you're like, it's all got to go somewhere. And you've got a mattress. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but it feels like you've got a mattress between your yeah. legs because that's how thick the pad is and that you are that's constantly they need yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah. A tampon won't do it, girls. But you can't wear a tampon, no. you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, on that, I was like, OK, we've, we've got to talk about this. And... Um, a bit of background on our guest, uh, Avian McGreal, today on the show. She's a women's health physio. Um, I am really lucky that Avian and I are, well, I want to say we're family. We are family. Our parents are partners. So I was really lucky to have Avian in my life. And, you know, she was really excited when I was pregnant and we were talking about it and I knew she was a physio, but I didn't realise how much she specialised in women's health and pelvic health. So Avian had said to me, do you want to come and see me before you go and have the baby? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And I'll get into this more when we're chatting to Avian, but I was a bit freaked about my pelvic floor because I thought it's quite weak um, from playing sport my whole life. I would have always had what I learned from Avian is stress incontinence. So I was like, okay, i got to deal with this because that's going to be 10 times worse after I push a baby yeah. out. And I was, I was really focused on on being as empowered and as educated as possible. So I went to Avian for an appointment um, before I had the baby and just something that really struck me was she said I wish more women came to me before they had babies and I 100% credit her and I suppose my PT Emma who I've mentioned on, on the show as well Empowered Mama is is her brand um, but I credit the two of them with, with the positive birth experience that I had so I just thought if anyone uh, can talk to us today about the things nobody tells you about what happens to your body your vagina and your bum and your bladder before and after you have a baby it is Avi. Avian McGreal, thank you so much for joining us on Nobody Told Me the Podcast. Thank you for having me, ladies. It's great to have you. And we should mention we have you via Zoom this morning. So if there is any uh, pauses or any echoes or anything like that, because obviously we can't have you in studio, unfortunately, with the times we're in. But it is great to have you all the same. And uh, we were talking before uh, we got you on the line, just about my experience of coming to you as a client. Um, very lucky to have a women's health physio in the family. Uh, Absolutely. It's great. And, and you're so good to come into me because lots of people who know me personally are like, I would go to only I know you but um, there's lots of great women's health physios out there so I can direct them in other direct in to other places but you're you're very brave for coming to me Lauren well done well Avine, I'm raging I didn't know about you until <laughs> Lauren told like I've had two kids later and I had no idea that a women's I know, physio existed I know. how old are your kids Serena uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you now <laughs> nine and four and I had no idea that a service like yours would have been so beneficial to me but things have changed so much. Like I have an eight-year-old nearly and a four-year-old, so kind of similar to you. And when I was um, when I was having my first, this wasn't so much of a thing. I was a I was a I suppose I was a women's health physio two or three years when I was having her. And I remember going to another women's health physio and asking about um, you know what about pushing techniques, and it was all very much oh, just relax and just this. And there was, this didn't exist, I don't think. It's really becoming something that women in a sense are demanding. Women, not in a bad way, in a great way. Mm. They want to be empowered. They want the knowledge. And um, we are reacting to that. So now we have these mummy checks and mummy preps and all that kind of thing that seem to be really working. It's amazing, yeah, this movement of 
just um, people wanting more information, as you said, wanting to be empowered. I suppose my experience was a little by accident. I have no problem, um, as I said before we started recording, talking about I had always had an issue with kind of stress incontinence, which I, I've learned from you is, is what it is. Anytime yeah. I used to play a lot of sport, I would always have to wear a pad. If I sneeze, if I made any sudden movements, um, you know, it, w- it was always an issue. And that was what worried me before giving birth because I was like, if it's like this now, what's it going to be like after I have a baby? Yeah, and you're right, Lauren, because lots of women do have some incontinence kind of pre-pregnancies or even without having any pregnancies, but um, it does lead you, you know, you do have a higher risk of incontinence postnatally, as you can imagine. If you've had it beforehand, there's a high risk you'll have it after, so or a high chance. So, yeah, it was really good idea for you to come in. So let's kind of talk a bit about, I suppose, what we went through together, Aveen. Um, so I went to see you, told you a bit about like my body, how things work and, um, you know, what can women expect? Because as you said, it, it's, it's you know, it's obviously when you're pregnant, you're pro- poked and prodded a lot anyway. And also, you know, it, it's it's just like another thing that maybe people are a bit nervous about because you don't know what to expect. What can women expect? Well, and the thing is, Aveen as well, like the only thing I was worried about before going into labour, honest truth, is I didn't want to poo during labour. That's the only thing I'd been told about. So I wasn't worried about the pushing techniques or anything. I was just petrified that I was going to poo. Yeah, and Serena, it is really common. Lots of women will poo, you know, during during birthing. Um, and I think... Yeah, it is a big fear. You've got your husband there. You never would ever, ever poo in front of anyone. So it's huge. But I think uh, it's it's just such a pity that it's after you've had your first baby, you then maybe go, oh, that actually doesn't matter so much anymore. Or, you know, and you realize the benefit of having that assessment and, and knowing that, you know, the correct technique for pooing is actually really close to the correct technique for pushing out a baby. So if it happens, it's nearly a really good sign. Something that really struck me um, that you said to me in our, our first ever meeting um, in in V Clinic, Avian, is that um, so many women um, say to you after they've had a baby, the midwife was telling me to push and I thought I was pushing, but nothing was happening. Talk to yeah. us a bit about that. Okay, so there's a thing called a paradoxical contraction of the pelvic floor. And it sounds like somebody made this up for English class. Do you remember paradoxes and all of that? It basically means um, you are pushing, you're trying to, in a sense, release your pelvic floor while using your diaphragm and using the abdominal muscles in the correct way. But what happens when somebody has a paradoxical contraction is that their pelvic floor is tightening. And that makes the the vaginal entrance narrower and it, it just makes things a lot more difficult because you're pushing and pulling at the same time, in a sense. So they, they would be the people who would say to me, I was, as you said there, Lauren, I, I was pushing and I was pushing and, you know, like my cheeks, I was holding my breath and my, they were telling me to hold my breath and nothing was working. Um, so they're the people where I go, oh, it's such a pity we hadn't had you in pre-labor because... It is often really easy to correct that. And I think we actually corrected that a bit with you, Lauren, didn't we? Yeah, Avian. And I remember you had me practicing with my poos. Really? I was yeah. practicing, yeah. So when I would go for a poo, Avian had said to me, like, practice releasing. And it turned out that, like, my bum was really tight. So this is something as well. Like, Avian does, like, an ultrasound on your bum and your this vagina. This is why I love Lauren. This is why I love you, Lauren. You're just so honest. My bum was really tight. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, like, Avian, like, we were doing the ultrasound, so I could see it on the screen. And Avian was like, okay, release. 
and I was I thought I was releasing but you could see the muscles around my bum tightening yeah so that so was something we, I had to really concentrate on yeah exactly so we use ultrasound don't we Lauren and um you can see what's called the anorectal angle now these are all just fancy terms but on the screen you can see a bit of a not quite a right angle, but a bit of an angle. And what you're trying to do is release that angle. And it's, it's like, like we say, when you're emptying your bowels, your pelvic floor needs to release to straighten out that angle. And when you're having a baby to make more space and to soften and relax that pelvic floor. Are and you, you got to really do it right well now. I'm trying to do it. Are yeah, you trying I, to do yeah, it? And I, I, I don't think I have. A, I, I'm thinking, <laughs> um, Aveen, is it too late for me to come and see you? Like nine years, nine years oh, and four no, years no, later? No, no, no. So once you're postnatal, always postnatal. And look, I could go through lists of one in three women have stress incontinence after babies. One in five have uh, bowel incontinence or bowel urgency. About 50% of us have some amount of prolapse after two vaginal deliveries. Like, And they are things that... You know, for some people, they will resolve naturally over a period of time after childbirth. But doing a bit of pelvic floor work with a with a pelvic physio is going to make a big, big difference. So if you have stress incontinence, for example, 70 percent of women will um, sort that out with attending a pelvic physio. And, and and I suppose doing the exercises that you're told to do is very important. But um, yeah, never too late, though, Serena, it's it's. It's one of those things I'm seeing women in their 60s as well as women in their 20s, women even older in their 80s at times. And they're saying, oh, I wish this was a thing in my time. So we don't have that excuse anymore. We can't say it's not there. So it's it is a bit of a hard thing to to go and go. Right. I have to go and have an examination and and. It can be a little bit embarrassing for some women, but I think it's your once bum. they... Yeah, it's, it's your bum and it's your vagina. And as I said, like as much as you're being poked and prodded during a pregnancy, it's never nice, you know. How was that for you, Lauren? Because I, Aveen is in the family. Yeah. So like it's hard enough when you're going to a stranger, but when you are going to someone you know... What was that that like for you? Well, as Avian was saying that a few people have said to her, I'd rather go to someone I don't know. I actually wanted to go to someone. I, I was delighted that it was Avian. And I was like, if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. I would way rather you be up there than someone else. And what do you mean by up there? So take us through the steps, Lauren. You went to see Avian. What happened? So we had a chat. Um, we, Avian, you did like an external examination first. And then we, we use the ultrasound. So that's like, there's a little, what, what do you, what's it called that you use? So we use a, a curved linear probe. So it's a, it's a flat probe that we put, we can put it outside your perineum. So we actually, in, in truth, we don't have to do an internal examination, Serena, if somebody's really not comfortable with that and, or, or if they have any reason in their particular pregnancy not to have an internal exam. So it's something I want to stress. We don't just kind of willy nilly do vaginal exams. It's very much, is this a straightforward pregnancy? Is there any reason you've been told to avoid sex or, you know, any, you know, a vaginal exam for any reason? Um, So we use the ultrasound then outside the perineum and we can see the bladder, the vagina and the back passage. So therefore, we can see the movement of the pelvic floor on the ultrasound screen. So we can do it that way. And we can then, if we need to, for any particular reason, do an internal examination. So a vaginal exam, which would be one thing, one gloved finger examination vaginally, and it's gentle and pelvic physio shouldn't hurt. There's no speculum. There's no stirrups. It should not be something that is painful in any way. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And I actually felt... Um, you know, very comfortable. And also I learned so much, you know. Because what did I, you learn? 
Well, I kind of learned a bit more about how my body works because maybe it's a part of your body that until you're faced with the mm-hmm. thought of pushing something out at that end of you, you don't really think about too much. And I wanted to be informed. And I felt I really was. I really credit Avine with the positive birth experience that I had. And, I, you know, I thought about how to release my pelvic floor. I thought about softening my back passage while I was pushing. And the coffee plunger example is always a good one as well. And um, we had talked about, you know, the way like coffee plungers go down, they never go all the way back up. When you're pushing, um, it's just natural that you kind of like, you know, when you get to take a breath, you know, yeah. that you, you kind of hold everything in again. So I really felt by, you know, going to see Avian two, three times before the delivery, it really stood to me then on the day. So, Avian, what are some of the tips that you gave to Lauren? So we worked, see, it's very individualized in a sense, Serena, but we definitely worked on, first of all, checking her pelvic floor function. So when somebody comes in for a, a, a mummy check, prenatal mummy check, we check, can they contract their pelvic floor properly so squeeze it properly and release it properly because doing your pelvic floor exercises properly prenatally is going to reduce your risk of um, incontinence and other pelvic floor dysfunction postnatally so that's one part of the mummy check then the other part is the pushing technique and the releasing technique so as Lauren was saying in her case she was a bit overactive or tense in her pelvic floor and when she went to kind of release through her pelvic floor that was coming difficult to her so we gave her lots of um, stretches to do like deep squatting positions and if you think of the birth positions that they recommend a lot of it was similar to what I was getting Lauren to do anyway so you know all fours deep squat upright positions in a sense uh, with the pelvic floor on a bit of a stretch Um, even child's pose or puppy pose those types of positions and breathing breathing is key Serena that's what we really did a lot of Lauren wasn't it trying to feel the breath making its way via your diaphragm and then that each in-breath actually moves your pelvic floor um, if you allow it did you see my thing is Lauren you go you get all this advice which I think is brilliant because you can never have too much information when you're going into stuff like this but I when you're in the throes of it I forget did you remember, did you feel calmer because you had all of this stuff? Yes and no. So I had um, read the Gentle Birth book. I had gone to um, a lot of yoga and I had been to Avian three times before. So yeah, I was I was really, really focused on my breathing. Um, I knew, so early on in active labour, his back was to my back so I had kind of no let up between contractions and I kind of knew I, I need to get down on the floor I got into child's pose as Avian mentioned um, the midwife was so accommodating because I was hooked up obviously to a uh, a trace and they didn't have a mobile one but I had said to them I want to be as mobile as possible I want to be upright like Avian had said like gravity has a lot to do with it as well I think you know in in the past you would see women on their back lying on a bed and they obviously want you to sit down but they were really supportive um, in, in letting me move around and eventually I, I you know he, he moved and then that's when things got going but interestingly I did end up birthing on on the bed on my back which I didn't think I would do I had wanted to be on the ground on all fours in a squatting position that kind of went out of my head I just did what the midwife told me to do but she was she really listened to me and I think that's so key midwives are so tuned in to women and our bodies and and you know I think if you work with them they'll work with you I had a horrible midwife the first I have no qualms about saying this the first time around she was horrible she thought that I needed tough love and I I don't need to be mollycoddled but I 
I also don't need tough love. And I remember I was one of the women who, and I didn't have an epidural, so I could feel all the all the contractions and stuff, but I couldn't feel when it was time to push. And I remember with one of them, I pushed so hard and she told me off for not pushing hard enough. So the second time round, I went, I'll show you. And I pretended to push. So if, and obviously, <laughs> it, it, I mean, that, that's the state I was in during, during my labour. But what if you're not, fit, like, what should you be listening to your body? Because I really couldn't feel any sensation need to push. I was also told at the end of it, like at the end of it, she turned around and went, well done you. Your baby was so high up that it was a really tough um, push. So what, like, yeah, what well, then it sounds like It sounds like maybe baby, if baby had come down a bit more, you would have got the urge to push. Maybe that urge just hadn't happened for you, you know? Yeah. And I think first time round, uh, Serena, I'm, I'm, was your second time different? The second time was far more painful, but that was my fault, I think. I wasn't, yeah, I, 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 I did it differently to the first time. The first time around, I was, I was trying not to be in the moment. So I just sort of, I just kept going, just push. And in two hours time, we'll be all done. And I, I could deal with it. The second time around, I was so busy talking to the lovely midwives that when the contractions came, I felt them 100%. I was in the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I, I felt the need to push then. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, um, the urge to push, like not, it doesn't happen for everyone. Like so many women have epidurals. Um, and I, I was like you first time round. Uh, um, I didn't have an, I, I had an epidural first time round and no urge to push second time round. It wasn't so much an urge to push. And this is what they call, you know, the, um, the spontaneous pushing where there's no voluntary, I will push now. It's like backwards vomiting. It's like your body vomits downwards and your uterus is doing this spontaneous. That definitely is what I had the second time round. There was, there was no way I was stopping him coming out that time round, you know? But it's like so, so many people will say and a lot of, a, a, a lot of gentle birth uh, advocates will say that, you know, your body kind of knows what to do. Obviously, you need to help. But yeah. you do hear of people literally just babies flying out of them because, <laughs> that you know, your, your uterus is contracting. Your body kind of knows what to do. And it's, it's trying to tune into that. But, it uh, you know, and everyone has different experiences. It's easier said than done for a lot of people. Yeah, and I don't know. I'd love to see. I don't know what the literature says on that because I'm not sure. From the women I see, I, the numbers that tell me that they had a, they had spontaneous pushing occurring where, or not even spontaneous pushing, but where they, they didn't need to push and it just happened. That's a very low number of women. Like, it's, it's a lovely ideal, but I'd hate for women who haven't had that experience to think, oh, I just didn't wait long enough or I just wasn't, you know, present in my body enough because I'm not sure. And, and this is where when you do your interviews, maybe with doulas and with um, gentle birth instructors, they can give you more information on it. But from personal experience, from the women I see, um, a lot of people are, are coached to push and whether that's that they're coached too early. I can't imagine that's the case in every, in every mm. woman. You know what I mean? I, because you've got, you're, they're watching what's happening. They're checking your dilation. They give you, they give you a certain amount of time, I think in most of the hospitals. Um, and then they'll kind of say, okay, it's time to push. But that's one of the, that's one of the debates that I'm sure your, your um, birth instructors might talk through a bit more. Can we fast forward to postnatal? Um, Lauren, did you go back to Avine after yeah. you had the baby? Yeah, I did. And um, 
it, w- it was really good to kind of check in. Um, and because as Avian said, you know, after having a baby is, is perhaps maybe, um, you know, when a lot of people are experiencing issues. And I remember I said to my GP as well, um, and I think I said it to you, Avian, I was like, things just don't feel the same down there. <laughs> Avian was kind of like, that's because nothing will ever be the same down there. But I think that's really important. And that's like a, a, a big nobody told me is, you know, after you have a baby, things the landscape is very different down there, Avine. So let's maybe talk a bit about some of the the issues that women will experience. I recently met a new mum who said to me, you know, I had no idea leaving that I would be bleeding so much. I thought I was having a period. I didn't know that bleeding after having a baby was part of the whole process. It's something that a lot of people don't talk about afterwards. Completely, yeah. I, I think there's so much focus on the prenatal stuff and the prep for birth. And then suddenly afterwards, you've got all these after pains. And, you know, I remember my tummy. The, I, used to, I used to get pains in my tummy um, afterwards, not the after pains, but just really sensitive. Um, but it's not something I see lots of women having. But yeah, there are loads of things um, postnatally from your bladder and your bowel and even the bowel thing. Everyone talks about maybe the first poo after having oh. a baby being a terrifying experience, you yep. know. Uh, and it is because, you know, what's just happened down there, you're going, I don't want to push anything out of there right now. Um, so really important to be and they're very good in the in the maternity hospitals with the with the prune juice and, you know, all of that jazz. So I would be an advocate for, you know, going with the prune juice and the fruit and trying to keep things kind of soft and moving as much as you can um, afterwards. Hemorrhoids. Oh, my goodness. They are they can be horrific, like definitely after my second baby which was a really really great delivery wonderful delivery I remember crying with hemorrhoids and um, I would have had a little bit of prolapse going on as well which would be so you can have different types of prolapse it can be the front vaginal wall so the front vaginal wall is basically the wall of the bladder then the back vaginal wall is the wall of the back passage so it's a bit like curtains in a sense like the front curtain is between the bladder and the vagina and then the back curtain is between the back passage and the vagina and then your uterus is at the top um, your cervix so I would have had definitely a back wall bulge which means basically I'm going to be a bit graphic here but the stool can go into this bulge so you can end up with something that's more ball shaped than normal poo shaped and then you try and get that out and then hemorrhoids so all those things can be really really tough and I obviously this was when I came home from hospital because they had been feeding me the prune juice in hospital happy days came home suddenly not drinking as much water and not doing the prune juice and going oh no I forgot. (laughs) And then nearly crying on the toilet. Like, I think that for me was one of the hard things. But other women have it much, much harder. I mean, you know, you can have um, tears and things to the sphincter whereby bowel urgency and bowel incontinence or or full on urinary incontinence, standing up and having full on leaks. And I think for women to know that if this happens to them in those very early days, don't panic. This is something that you won't have to live with. It will, for most people, it will start to resolve as your pelvic floor starts to nearly kind of come back working again after the the, the, the stretching and everything that's happened to it. Um, 
and and just don't panic about it. And I suppose that's why we're doing this. It's so women can go, okay, so that can happen. It doesn't happen to that many um, that it's that bad, but it does happen. And, you know, um, know that there's help for that as well. Don't kind of suffer in silence with those things. That's the important thing. I think so many of us just suffer in silence. Yeah. And we also just go, okay, well, we've all, I, I've always thought it is mad that someone who has just given birth to a child is told, you, you know, your body has gone through so much and you're told, okay, go and look after somebody else. Like nobody's actually looking after the mum. So you just go on with it. And then three or four years later, you're going, is this really normal? Oh my God, it's too late now. It can't be fixed. I think that's what's going through a lot of our minds. So it can be fixed. And it doesn't mean that you need surgery either. Because a lot of us go to that extreme of, okay, but if we need to fix this, we need to go back for hospital stays. Yeah, absolutely. So if we take, for example, we're talking a lot about bowels today, but if we take, for example, bowel urgency or bowel incontinence and a lot of mums after they have babies, they go, well, when I need to go, I kind of just go pretty quick because I, I wouldn't put it off anymore. So it's not that I'm incontinent, but I just, you know, I wouldn't leave it longer than five minutes when I get that urge after my cup of coffee in the morning. So what's happened there is that the rectoanal inhibitory reflex isn't working which means normally stool comes down, hits a little line of nerves in your bum. Your bum, without even having much of a chat with your brain, realizes you're in a shop. I'm sure your brain has something to do with it and says, okay, not now. Your sphincter, the muscle in your bum, gives a squeeze, causes reverse peristalsis. Am I getting a bit too technical here? No, no. It's so interesting. Yeah. So it causes your bowel to nearly move backwards to pull the stool back up. So it's not that you need this kind of Iron Man sphincter that can hold a poo in your bum for an hour. You don't. You just need the reflex to work properly and we can retrain that. So we can. So instead of always when you get the urge just legging it, you strengthen, strengthen, excuse me, up your sphincter muscle. It's too many sense. And um, <laughs> When you strengthen that up and have a bit more endurance of or hold kind of holding power in it, then you practice urge deferment. So you get an urge, you do a bit of a gentle squeeze, you hold it, you distract yourself. You don't think, okay, I need to go to the loo. And then you repeat that. Um, And bit by bit, we increase the time that you can defer for. So I've lots of women where we go, okay, what's the aim? And they go, well, if I'm in the supermarket, I want to be able to get out of there. So and get home. So I need I need half an hour. Great. That's our aim. So you're retraining reflexes, you're retraining muscles and you're retraining habits that we tend to. We kind of compensate. We're busy mums. We go, oh, do you know what? It's just as easy to go right now. And um, Mm -hmm. I'll go and with the bladder the same. I'll go before I leave the house. I'll go when I get back to the house. I'll go when I get to work. You know, we go just in case a lot. Yeah. Um, and that can result in a bit of bladder urgency and bladder frequency where your bladder is an organ of habit and it gets used to holding whatever amount you allow it to hold. So it it, it starts to squeeze and contract to empty when it's got 100 mils in it because you keep emptying when it's got 100 mils in it. So we can increase the bladder capacity as well in the same way. Bit, bit different mechanism, but, but the same concept. This sounds so daunting and so overwhelming, but also I have a sense of hope because no longer, I think it's what you've been saying all along, Aveen, we don't need to suffer in silence. And also it's not shameful. That's why we suffer in silence because we're too scared. We're we're too embarrassed to admit that this stuff happens. But guess what? If it's happening to you, nine times out of 10, it's happening to somebody else. Guys, one in three women have incontinence. 
you know, and I'm not talking about 80 year old women. I'm talking about kind of postnatal women. One in five have bowel incontinence like this is. And that might mean full on accidents, but it might mean staining or finding it, you know, finding it just that they can't get to the loo on time and they have to leg it. And, you know, it, it's really, really common. So, you know, the way we say common, not normal, you know, I, I like that term in one sense, but we all kind of want to be normal. So, you know what I mean? Everyone yeah. wants to be normal. And I, I, I kind of struggle with that term a little bit, the common, not normal. I think it's common, but you don't have to accept it. And there's lots yeah. that can be done is a kind of a gentler way of putting it. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. Avian, it's been brilliant having you on Nobody Told Me today. If people want to get in touch with you, and I know, as you said, there are so many um, fantastic women's health physios out there, um, you know, but you're ours. So we're, we want to send people to you. If people want to get in touch, how can they find you? So we are in NACE, uh, vphysio.ie, so it's V-I-E, physio.ie. I've got um, the wonderful Caroline Gavin working with me as well, and she is fantastic. Um, so we have daytime, evening, early morning appointments down there. We're on Instagram at v.pelvic.physio as well. So, yeah, you know, touch base with us. See uh, see if we can give you, a, give you a, a help out. And nothing's too embarrassing, is it? Oh, not in our clinic. (laughs) (laughs) We're both moms. We've both been there and we we get it, you know. Brilliant. Avina, it's been great to chat to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, girls, and thanks for opening up this conversation. (sighs) Wow. I so if I could go back in time and I don't usually do this I'm just like no regrets I regret not not and I know Avine said it's it's different um even when her kid was at, like her kid's eight and she didn't really know about this at eight but with my four-year-old I wish I knew about this because I would have gone to see to see Avine. I do remember going to the maternity hospital and obviously you know physio being a thing that if you need to go to physio go to physio you know I, and I know there is physio services there available, but I don't think, and maybe someone will correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it's like part of the whole process. I don't think you have to go to a physio. I don't think, you know, and I think it should be. I think going to a physio before you have a baby, after you have a baby, and follow-up is something that women really need. Actually, after I had my first kid, I did have someone come in to me and talk to me about the importance of physio, and my physio friend is probably listening to this right now going, I told you each time yeah and I just think we become so overwhelmed there's so much going on so much and it's all about especially when it's your first you just want to keep this this baby alive yeah as you said there's no one kind of taking care of you you're, no. you're taking care of this child but um like Avian said as well like so often we wait for something to become a problem it's not a preventative yeah. thing yeah you know I definitely if you're pregnant now I would so urge you to go and see someone like Avian because it just, I found it so, so interesting. And I think I would have been one of those women, had I not gone to Avian first, I would have been one of those women who was pushing, pushing, pushing and not understanding why nothing was happening and I would have gotten into difficulty. Do I'm not saying you'd like, if you go to a physio, you're going to have an absolute no. dream birth, but I do think information is key. It really is. Do you think if someone has or gone... power is power, yeah, yeah, information both, is power. Yeah. Both. But do you think if um, someone has gone the first time around and they're having a kid a second time around, there's a need to do it again? Or do you think... Oh, yeah, I, know, think, yeah. I think it's all part of it, yeah. So I think it's, it's like, you know, your midwife appointment, you know, yeah. it's like it's, in, it's a new baby, it's a new pregnancy. I think, yeah, I, I just think it should be part of it for women. Yeah, do you know what I'm learning through this podcast? Mm-hmm. We need to put ourselves first more often. 
because we do like totally. I remember when I was pregnant with my first kid. I just it was the snow of 2010. So I remember when you had to be at home and people. I, I kept saying I'm not an incubator. I need to be getting out and. But I think that sometimes how we're looked at by others and how we look at ourselves as well that we're just this incubator. Let's worry about what's inside us mm-hmm. and not what's actually inside of us. Yes, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think I do think as Avian said, it is changing. Yeah, there's this incredible movement. You know to to help inform women and just you know I've said this so many times in the podcast but giving birth is not just something that you have to go through something that you have to suffer and just suck up and get through it and you know it used to frustrate me so much particularly when I'd speak to like older women you know I'd say like oh you know I'm to talk about gentle birthing yeah. or you know I had done all the paperwork to do a water birth which didn't materialise in the end I remember being scoffed at that I wanted to educate myself and have an enjoyable experience you know it's it's not something that you should have to endure no exactly and do you know what I um, really got from Avine as well that I never thought of it this way because I said to her you know my last uh, birth was four years ago and she's like well you're always postnatal because yeah. you know you still had the yeah. baby, so it's never too late. So what I'm what I'm hoping is if you're listening to this and you have things that nobody told you, Lauren and I probably have never heard them either. We'd appreciate for you to get in contact with us so we can, as you said, find out more about it, empower ourselves, and empower those around us. So if you have anything, please reach us on our Instagram at Nobody Told Us Podcast, and we'll get back to you. Nobody told me podcast. Yeah that too (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much Um, great to have you as always please rate, review subscribe to the podcast keep us going it would be great to be back with you very soon take care Nobody Told Me The Parenting Podcast with Lauren and Serena with Super Value Home Delivery get your lunchbox filler sorted with Super Value Online Shopping